the Lake of the Ozarks only community radio station. That's right, you've got a hand in it, Lake of the Ozarks, 89.3 KEYK, Osage Beach, Missouri. I'm Stacy Johnson, and this is your Lake Expo News Cut for Friday, April 8th. How's your septic tank doing? Maybe a weird question, but if you're the Lake of the Ozarks Watershed Alliance, Lowell wants to help Lake Area residents who need a septic tank pump out. They're offering $50 reimbursement coupons for septic tank pump outs. Reimbursements must occur with a map boundary that can be found on the Lowell website at lowellwatershed.com, and they are first come, first served. If you've ever been interested in planting native plants and bringing more local butterflies to your garden, Missouri Conservation is doing a class on just that. Wednesday, April 27th from noon to 1, MDC is hosting a webcast on planting the right native plants in the right places. More information at mdc.mo.gov. Warmer spring weather has Missourians starting outdoor home improvement projects, but Amron is reminding everyone to call 1-800-DIG-RIGHT before doing any digging. Each year, more than 40% of homeowners risk unintentionally damaging buried utility lines during home projects. Unearthing lines can be costly and dangerous, and Amron says they might be buried closer to the surface than you think. For more info, at mo1call.com. This has been your Lake Expo News Cut. All this news and more at lakeexpo.com. Lake news, events, boating, and the lake life, lakeexpo.com. Portions of the programming on Key Radio are made possible through a generous donation from lakeexpo.com. Lakeexpo.com is a locally owned daily news website connecting residents, second homeowners, visitors, and the boating community to the Lake of the Ozarks. Lake Expo features real estate and boats for sale, upcoming events at the lake, and their exclusive boating club, X-Toe. Download the free Lake Expo app on the App Store and Google Play. LakeExpo.com, the lake's trusted news source. Chris Schneider with your Key Radio Lake TV sports update for this Friday. Opening day in Major League Baseball turns out to be a winner for both the Cardinals and the Royals. The Redbirds beating the Pirates 9-0. Albert Pujols making his return. Apparently had to hold back some tears during a standing ovation when he was introduced. Adam Wainwright gets the win. Tyler O'Neill a three-run homer and a nice win to start the season for the Cardinals. They're actually off today. They'll play the Pirates again tomorrow. For the Royals, it was the return of Zach Greinke, who made his first start in a Royals uniform since 2010. And the Royals go on to beat Cleveland 3-1. It was a cold one. 47 degrees and windy at first pitch, and the Royals go on to get the win. Well, round one of golf's Masters in the books. Round two today, South Korea's Sanjay Im 
atop the leaderboard going into the second round at five under par. Cameron Smith a shot back. American Dustin Johnson two shots back going into today's second round. St. Louis Blues have won three straight. They're at home to the wild tonight. NASCAR boys will be at Martinsville. They'll run that race tomorrow. There have been seven different races so far this year and seven different winners. College baseball, Mizzou 18-8 and going into the weekend. They've got a three-game series at uh, Tennessee, Missouri State 14-10. and They've got a three-game series at Dallas Baptist. As for college softball, the Mizzou Lady Tigers 23-13 and going into the weekend. They've got a three-game series at Mississippi State. And the MSU Ladies are 13-14. and They've got a three-game home series against Indiana State. Keep in mind, coming up later this month, the NFL Draft. That will get started on April 28th, Jacksonville with the number one pick. And uh, the Chiefs will have two first-round picks after making that big trade with Miami, getting rid of Tyreek Hill. Hey, you got to check out KB on TV. It's What's Burning with Kevin KB Burns, 7, 5, and 11 every day. Lake TV bringing you five local lake area shows. And don't forget about Uncle Chris. At the top of the hour, almost every hour, you can see Lake TV on Como Channel 90, absolutely free on Roku. Just do a search for Lake TV and streaming live 24-7, 365 at MyLakeTV.com. I'm Chris Schneider with your Key Radio Lake TV sports update for this Friday. Portions of our programming on Key Radio made possible thanks to Lake TV. Lake TV is your hometown local TV station. Featuring Cup of Coffee with Will and Chris, What's Burning with KB, live high school sports, real estate, dining, boating, and of course, the annual Lake of the Ozark shootout. Lake TV on Como Connect, Channel 90, Roku, YouTube, Facebook and Instagram, and of course, online at MyLakeTV.com. If it's happening at the lake, it's happening on Lake TV. There is a battle raging for the hearts and minds of our children, a battle to erase Christian values and constitutional principles. Concerned Women for America of Missouri invites you to their state conference April 9th in Springfield to hear leaders and experts speak on important issues, including critical race theory, transgenderism, and election integrity. You'll leave inspired and equipped. The night before, CWA will hold their pastor-to-pastor dinner Leading in today's culture, learn what churches can legally do to bring biblical values to all areas of influence and lead your congregation in these difficult times. There's no cost to pastors. RSVP on Eventbrite. For information, visit the CWA of Missouri Facebook events page.
Share your thoughts, ideas, and skills, maybe even a talent, on the Lakes Community Radio Station, 89.3 The Key. And good morning, 808. It is 34 degrees here in beautiful downtown Osage Beach. And we are broadcasting live from the world headquarters of SRG Financial Advisors. Thank you for joining us. And I'm sitting here this morning. I went on to Facebook just to make sure that uh, I had everything taken care of as far as uh, letting you know who is going to be on the program. And I came across something really cool. This is something that George Denny posted. It's the Water Show movie by KY3, it says here. And I'm guessing this was a water show at one point at the Lake of the Ozarks, and it's uh, actually really cool. I don't know if they're doing like an exhibition for TV in uh, particular, but uh, a lot of really cool things and kind of some of the things I don't think you would see at the Lake of the Ozarks any longer. But, George, thank you for uh, posting that wonderful memory of uh, what used to be here at the Lake of the Ozarks. Do you think there'd ever be any interest as far as uh, some sort of a, a show, a water show, at the uh, the Lake of the Ozarks again? Do you think anybody, has anybody even talked about it? Have you ever heard of anything uh, that could possibly uh, be considered something that uh, would be entertaining? Would you like to go see something like this? I'm watching the tricks these folks are doing, and uh, it's pretty impressive. It's very impressive, as a matter of fact, so... Nothing. I I will tell you, much like snow skiing, I've been water skiing once in my life. Once. <laughs> uh, and the key to remember, folks, is when you fall down, let go of the rope. <laughs> let go of the rope. 34 degrees, right? And we are not looking for much in the way of uh, warmth today. Hopefully you still have some propane in your tank. I would imagine most folks do. And here's a little inside tip. It's probably not a bad idea, if you can do it, to get that tank filled up. Because I think apparently this time next year, or certainly when we get closer to winter, propane prices are going to uh, gonna knock you out. So I was told when you get an opportunity, fill up your propane tank. I guess that's exactly what I'll do. Cloudy and 45 today, a few flurries or snow showers possible, and uh, apparently there was some sleet that moved through the area late last night, and it was uh, pretty heavy there for a bit. Some clouds this evening giving way to mainly uh, a clear sky, if you will, overnight low of 29. 61 the high tomorrow with sunshine, 45 the low, partly cloudy and 79 on Sunday with a low of 55, 75, and scattered thunderstorms possible on Monday with a low of 54, partly cloudy, 79 on Tuesday, low 63, 75. And thunderstorms again possible on Wednesday with a low of 43, Thursday's high of 56 with sunshine, partly cloudy, 59 on Friday. And uh, looks like maybe a little below average for temperatures on the weekend. Next weekend, that is. Lots going on yesterday in the world of sports. I got to say, uh, I, I, I watched some of this video from the home opener with the Cardinals, and they celebrated three guys that uh, I think really uh, make up what uh, people would consider, you know, diehards as far as the Cardinals are concerned. The Cardinals getting back Albert Pujols, and he was uh, welcomed home uh, with a standing ovation. Yadier Molina, Adam Wainwright. And the Cardinals really going out of their way and, and winning yesterday nine to nothing over the Pittsburgh Pirates nine to nothing. A lot of home runs, a lot of uh, long balls being cranked out of uh, 
Bush Stadium. And that was great to see and uh, great to hear about. So congratulations to the Cardinals on the other side of the state. Royals uh, and their home opener uh, against the Cleveland, what are they, the Guardians now. They're no longer the Cleveland Indians. And I don't know, was that a move that they instituted themselves rather than deal with a bunch of flack like uh, the Washington Redskins did before they changed themselves over to the Washington Commanders? You've got the Guardians in baseball, the Commanders in football. And I don't know if that's going to make any real difference or not. I know a lot of people weren't happy about it. You know, these teams have been the Redskins and uh, the Indians for years and years and years. Uh, of course, we know the Kansas City Chiefs. I don't know if they're catching any flack or not uh, about their name. I'm sure they are, and, and, and I think I've heard something about people wanting to rename the team. What would you rename the Kansas City Chiefs that would even be close to the Kansas City Chiefs? Anyway, Royals victorious yesterday 3-1 to one over the Cleveland Guardians. And then another big story in sports. And, and, and I don't know, know this is a, not a sports radio station, but an amazing story yesterday at the Masters with Tiger Woods shooting a 100-par 71, which for a guy who uh, not too long ago might have very well lost his leg uh, when he was involved in that near-fatal car accident, uh, I think that's pretty impressive. And this guy's come back a couple of times. And, and you know, there are some people saying that, you know, I don't know, was it, he was a 40-1 to 1 or 51 chance to win the Masters this go-around? Wow. 573-633-5395 is the number if you'd like to chime in about sports, if you'd like to chime in about the weather, if you'd like to chime in about what's going on at the lake, if you'd like to chime in about the fact that we've got Bob Lynch at 840 from MoDOT. And we will be talking roads, bridges, infrastructure, find out what's going on, projects coming up, things you need to be aware of. Again, I said it yesterday, and I will say it again today, and that is please watch out for all of these folks working on the roads, the state workers, the county workers, the city workers, workers in general that are out there uh, maybe even picking up trash. They're they're, They're trying to provide a service. They're trying to make things better for us. So make things better for them and slow down. And get over as you go through work zones, folks. It's, it's, it's not going to make you any later. It's not going to slow you down that much to uh, reduce your speed and be very cognizant of what's going on around you as you proceed through a work zone. Please, these people, they have families just like you and me, and all they want is to be able to go out, do their job, and uh, go home to their families when the job is done. So please keep an eye out for them. On the program as well. In addition to Mr. Bob Lynch from MoDOT, we will talk it over with Dave Maupin, author of Among the Dogwoods, and Dave is loaded. He has quite a bit of content, and uh, we're going to start him off at about 9.10. We might just give him all 50 minutes of the hour. I, I think we might have to do that. We might just have to forego our information break at the bottom of the hour so that we can give Dave Maupin at least a considerable amount of time so that he can talk about what he wants to talk about. He told me Got a lot on his plate, and you saw that, and you probably received your copy of Among the Dogwoods, and I hope you're following it. It's it's a blog. If you're new to what we're doing here, it is a blog that you can subscribe to, and if you're busy and you you don't have time to make a Camden County Commission meeting or maybe School of the Osage School Board meeting, Dave, who is a retired LAPD officer, I mean, he was with the LAPD, and he's got some incredible stories to tell, but I don't think we'll get to any of that today. 
I think more or less Dave is going to be talking uh, about what's been going on with the Camden County Commission at their most recent meeting on uh, April the 5th. So we are all ready for Mr. Maupin, and we are all ready for Mr. Lynch, and we are all ready for you, and we're getting ready for a great weekend at the Lake of the Ozarks. The weather will improve dramatically. As I said, near 60 degrees tomorrow, and we'll have 70-degree weather on Sunday. So a couple of things to uh, keep in mind. Number one is the second Lake of the Ozarks Food Truck Festival, which will get underway at noon tomorrow, noon on Sunday, run until 7 o'clock each day at the Lori Hillbilly Fairgrounds. We talked with Ashley Hayes, and Ashley was instrumental in helping us understand what's going to be going on. Ashley and her husband Josh will be there. We will also see a number of other local food trucks, vendors, uh, fun stuff for the kids, live entertainment. It's going to be a full day. It really is. Either day you decide to go. We're going to be out there filming tomorrow for Lake TV, so you might want to come by and say hello. We might even have Lightning the Wonder Dog with us. He and I went out yesterday. We, 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 uh, we, well, I didn't. Megan Albers, the producer of my show, What's Burning, uh, was out there yesterday filming B-roll of Lightning at the Dog Park. There is a dog park behind our veterinary at the lake, just uh, right there in the Lynn Creek Industrial Park. It's one of the old baseball fields they had out there. They've got two of them, and there is a sign when you pull up, not responsible for damage to the vehicle. So I'm thinking if you're out there when there's a baseball game going on and somebody uh, slices one foul, hopefully it doesn't end up in your windshield. So you might want to just keep that in mind if you show up to utilize the dog park. But Lightning, not at all impressed with the dog park. He just went in there. Uh, a friend of mine, the gentleman that used to own the Pancake House here in Osage Beach, he was out there with his beautiful dog, a, a, a long-haired German Shepherd, which I I didn't know long-haired German Shepherds existed. I thought they were only the short hair variety. Beautiful dog. And uh, he was doing the throw-and-catch thing, and we got there, and uh, uh, Lightning introduced himself to uh, this dog, <laughs> and I, I will say, I don't know what kind of training Lightning had. I, I probably need to find out, but he uh, he comes over and he sits down by me anytime there's another dog around. But then uh, uh, this girl showed up, and she had a German Shepherd and a Rottweiler, and this Rottweiler looked like a full-grown dog, but I found out the Rottweiler was just a puppy. And like I said, it amazes me sometimes when I see these dogs and somebody says, well, my dog's, you know, six months old or nine months old or just a puppy and how big they are. Well, she showed up and the Rottweiler, Lightning, hey, buddy, he's sitting here or he's laying on the floor here next to me taking a siesta. He's got a full belly, so he's he's, he's chilling out. Hey, Lightning. Hey, buddy. Okay, there he is. Uh, the uh, The Rottweiler wanted to be his buddy yesterday all day long. <laughs> and unfortunately, it didn't work out. I guess we have to work on our social skills, Lightning. What do you think, buddy? Well, and that's probably the same for both of us. <laughs> Goodness gracious, great balls of fire. Uh, looking at um, some news of interest here this morning, thanks to uh, one of my off-site producers, Rick Goose, for supplying us with the uh, the Daily News, story out now, uh, tucked into a piece of Missouri legislation mandating the creation of a state portal allowing parents to view school curricula is language that also would prohibit giving teachers diversity training. 
The bill doesn't actually use that term likely on purpose without carefully reading the entire bill. Its intentions could easily be missed. But there's no hiding that Missouri lawmakers want to limit how schools teach history and what teachers can say about race and gender. State Representative Mark Sharp, a Kansas City legislator on the House Education Committee, said that about 75% of all education bills under consideration include language blocking diversity training, limiting how history is taught, or allowing parents to pull their children out of the lessons they don't like. Some also include provisions that label any teaching about racism in American history as divisive. How then to teach about slavery, the Civil War, and Jim Crow? Well, we've been doing it, folks. Racist incidents happen with uh, unnerving frequency right here and right now. How are students supposed to understand the historical context of uh, historical context of this problem? Don't look to the legislature for help with that understanding. Bills often contain contradictory language, Sharp said. At the same time, our Republican members want to limit how we teach black history. They will say they believe black history and civil rights should be taught, Sharp said. Only they want it taught so that America is the hero, but you can't be the abuser and the hero. Will kids be told that uh, Bull Connor was a dog lover and that Lincoln was assassinated by someone hoping to lower the suddenly soaring labor costs for Southern farmers? To educate students about civil rights, one proposed bill, HB 1933, calls for teaching the tactics and strategies of nonviolent resistance that Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. championed and the universal lesson that hatred on the basis of Immutable characteristics such as race or ethnicity can overtake any nation or society and lead to profound injustice. Never mind that King, the King reference is a cynical distortion of the late civil rights leaders. I have a dream speech. Missouri hasn't even passed legislation acknowledging Black History Month. Uh, I would say we acknowledge it. Uh, we do a fine job of acknowledging Black History Month. There are a lot of programs that take place in this state in regards to Black History Month. And and you see, the problem that I have with things like this is it Black History Month. Why 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 is it only a month? Why why not all year? Why not celebrate the history of this country every day of the week? Why do we have to limit it to, to a month or a day? And, and, and I don't mean that in a derogatory way. I mean, you know, if that's what you want to do, then do it. If that's what you want to celebrate, then celebrate. Celebrate your history, your roots, where you came from, what you're all about. But I also think that it's important to understand that there were a lot of families that weren't here when slavery was going on. A lot of families came from other places to Ellis Island, and certainly, you know, trying to, I think the problem here is, is we want to hang, people want to hang their hats on this sort of thing, you know? We really want to, are, are, are we talking about racism based on what? And, and when we talk about racism, is, is that all we want to talk about? Weren't there any good things that happened? Weren't there any people that flourished? Yeah, I think there were black people that flourished. I think there were black people that did well. Did they struggle? Well, I'm sure they did. But they persevered. And they didn't just stay there and say, well, you know, this is racist. 
And so, you know, I think sometimes it, it, it doesn't make any difference who you are. It doesn't make any difference the color of your skin. It doesn't matter your creed, color, ethnicity, religion. If you're bound and determined to do something, there are certain things that you just put out of your mind. Or, or maybe you don't necessarily put them out of your mind, but you don't focus on them because you've got a bigger goal. You've got a destiny. You've got something that you want to do and something you want to achieve, and you're not going to let people stand in your way. And I wonder if that's not more important than, obviously, uh, you know, Governor Gavin Newsom is, I, I guess he signed legislation uh, looking at trying to develop this whole reparations deal that they've been talking about for years. And now he's, uh, I guess they're putting together a committee. Uh, you know, they're going to be looking into what might be necessary in order to uh, deal with reparations. Which, again, I mean, what's unfortunate about reparations, if you want to give reparations to people, shouldn't you give it to the people who had to endure as opposed to the people that are standing there saying, we want reparations, we want reparations. Well, okay, great. But you had absolutely nothing to do with any of this to begin with. And now you're using someone else to obtain money to do what? To honor that person? Is that what you want? to develop some sort of social programs so that these sorts of things don't happen again? I think we've become so focused on racism, and certainly anytime someone's called a racist, it's used to try to shut them up or to get them to back down. And uh, Kevin Jackson, who I had on this pro well, not this program, on my other radio program years ago, he uh, was a Fox News contributor. I think he still is. I believe he has a podcast. Kevin said, if somebody calls you a racist, guess what? They're the racist. I don't know how you can determine if someone is a racist when you first meet them. Wouldn't it take some time to get to know that person before you automatically label them a racist? <laughs> um, I don't think it's the fact that we don't want people to know about things. I think it's the fact that we can't tag everything as racism or people being racists. And, and and obviously, you know, there's a fine line there with what's going on in the state legislature. So what do you think is the best course of action? Should we be looking at what the teachers are teaching? Should parents have uh, the opportunity to know exactly what's going on in their child's school? Well, I would say certainly. And I think everyone should have the same access, not just parents, but the average person who is paying a personal property tax bill, whose personal property tax goes to that school, I think that regardless of how you feel about the topic or the subject matter, you should have the ability, the insight to know what's being taught at your school or schools. I think that goes without saying. The general public should know at all times what's being taught in our schools. And I know, you know, we just had the big school board elections. And so the current members of the school boards, along with the incumbents, uh, I think both of the incumbents, uh, School of the Osage and Camdenton, Eric Walters was retained. Derek Steen was retained. Uh, and then you had, you know, other folks that want to get involved with this as well. I think it's important 
for the transparency to be there. And I think a lot of folks would agree with that. We want to know what's going on in our schools. We want to know what our kids are being taught. And we have the right to know. And there's no reason why any parent or any person who's interested in what goes on in the local schools shouldn't have access to what is being taught. Simple. Simple. If there's nothing to hide, then there's no reason why kids shouldn't have the opportunity, parents shouldn't have the opportunity, and, and, and what, what about, and the general public shouldn't have, uh, should have the opportunity as well, rather. And if you feel as though there's something that you don't want your kids to learn or know about, should, should parents have the right to say, listen, I don't want my kid involved in this. I don't like it. Inevitably, it's not the school's job to raise the child. It's the parent's job to raise the child. But then when they're teaching various subjects and maybe parents don't like something one way or another, should they then have the ability to say, well, you know, I don't want my kid involved in that. But will that then hurt the child's grade? I know there's a lot of different arguments. You can go back and forth with it. But we've got uh, the month of May, folks or should I say, rather, the month of April to get this all uh, taken care of. And uh, the battle for our children is being fought by people who want to indoctrinate as opposed to educate. I mean, look at all the things they want to teach kids socially in school these days. And at very young ages. So we will uh, keep an eye on it, and certainly... Those people out there that are involved, we'll uh, try to get them in here to uh, explain to us just exactly what is going on and what we need to be aware of. 8.30 on the nose. It is the Daily Show on Key Radio, and we are ready for some information. And then we'll take some time to bring in Bob Lynch from the Missouri Department of Transportation. And your phone calls are welcome. 573-633-5395, 35 degrees in Osage Beach, 30. Five degrees in Camdenton as well. And we could see uh, maybe a little sleet, maybe a little snow off and on throughout the day. Only going to get to a high of 45. We'll recap the weather forecast on the other side of information with Stacy Johnson from LakeExpo.com, Chris Schneider from Lake TV. It's the key and the daily show. I'm Stacy Johnson, and this is your Lake Expo News Cut for Friday, April 8th. How's your septic tank doing? Maybe a weird question, but if you're the Lake of the Ozarks Watershed Alliance, Lowell wants to help Lake Area residents who need a septic tank pump-out. They're offering $50 reimbursement coupons for septic tank pump-outs. Reimbursements must occur with a map boundary that can be found on the Lowell website at lowellwatershed.com, and they are first come, first serve. If you've ever been interested in planting native plants and bringing more local butterflies to your garden, Missouri Conservation is doing a class on just that. Wednesday, April 27th from noon to 1, MDC is hosting a webcast on planting the right native plants in the right places. More information at mdc.mo.gov. Warmer spring weather has Missourians starting outdoor home improvement projects, but Amron is reminding everyone to call 1-800-DIG-RIGHT before doing any digging. Each year, more than 40% of homeowners risk unintentionally damaging buried utility lines during home projects. 
Unearthing mines can be costly and dangerous, and Amron says they might be buried closer to the surface than you think. For more info, at mo1call.com. This has been your Lake Expo News Cut. All this news and more at lakeexpo.com. Lake news, events, boating, and the lake life, lakeexpo.com. Programming on Key Radio made possible in part by Skelton Key and Lock. When you're locked out of your home, car, or business, every second counts. You need to be sure that the company you choose will answer the call and get to you as quickly as possible. Skelton Key and Lock offers reliable service, reasonable rates, and they're recommended by everyone. They can cut and program new keys and fobs. They can install new locks on your home, business, or rental property. If you can stick a key in it, chances are it can be serviced by Skelton Key and Lock serving the entire lake area. Chris Schneider with your Key Radio Lake TV sports update for this Friday. Opening day in Major League Baseball turns out to be a winner for both the Cardinals and the Royals. The Redbirds beating the Pirates 9-0. Albert Pujols making his return. Apparently had to hold back some tears during a standing ovation when he was introduced. Adam Wainwright gets the win. Tyler O'Neill a three-run homer and a nice win to start the season for the Cardinals. They're actually off today. They'll play the Pirates again tomorrow. For the Royals, it was the return of Zach Greinke, who made his first start in a Royals uniform since 2010. And the Royals go on to beat Cleveland 3-1. It was a cold one. 47 degrees and windy at first pitch, and the Royals go on to get the win. Well, round one of golf's the leaderboard going into the second round at five under par Cameron Smith a shot back American Dustin Johnson two shots back going into today's second round St. Louis Blues have won three straight they're at home to the wild tonight NASCAR boys will be at Martinsville they'll run that race tomorrow there have been seven different races so far this year and seven different winners College baseball, Mizzou 18-8 and going into the weekend. They've got a three-game series at uh, Tennessee, Missouri State, 14-10. and They've got a three-game series at Dallas Baptist. As for college softball, the Mizzou Lady Tigers, 23-13 and going into the weekend. They've got a three-game series at Mississippi State. And the MSU Ladies are 13-14. and They've got a three-game home series against Indiana State. Keep in mind, coming up later this month, the NFL Draft. That will get started on April 28th, Jacksonville with the number one pick. And uh, the Chiefs will have two first-round picks after making that big trade with Miami, getting rid of Tyreek Hill. Hey, you got to check out KB on TV. It's What's Burning with Kevin KB Burns, 7, 5, and 11 every day. Lake TV bringing you five local lake area shows. And don't forget about Uncle Chris. Chris at the top of the hour. Almost every hour you can see Lake TV on Como Channel 90. Absolutely free on Roku. Just do a search for Lake TV and streaming live 24-7, 365 at MyLakeTV.com. I'm Chris Schneider with your Key Radio Lake TV sports update for this Friday. Programming on Key Radio made possible through a generous donation from Victoria Station. 
Misty Atkinson talks about the very incredible and popular wall art you'll find at Victoria Station. We've always been known for our wall art. Um, we have a large selection of both metal art and framed art, canvas prints, in traditional and in uh, the nautical themes. And so we're a destination for wall art. We're also known for a large variety of lamps. We like cool, unique lamps that'll give give lighting in your living area, not just a utility lampshade there that's producing light, but to add the decorative features to that. Um, we are going to feature a section in the store of American-made products. Some of those are locally sourced and some of those from the Midwest, and we're, we're really excited to be able to do that. We're still located at 5465 Osage Beach Parkway, just off the Case Road exit, and the best way to find us online is on Facebook at Victoria Station. We are open daily 9.30 to 5.30. There is a battle raging for the hearts and minds of our children. A battle to erase Christian values and constitutional principles. Concerned Women for America of Missouri invites you to their state conference April 9th in Springfield to hear leaders and experts speak on important issues, including critical race theory, transgenderism, and election integrity. For information, visit the CWA of Missouri Facebook events page. This is your chance to get involved in Community Radio Lake of the Ozarks with 89.3, The Key. Hey, we're back at 837. Thank you so much for joining us on Key Radio. How about the uh, the wonderful weather we're having today? Boy, I tell you what, uh, we kind of wish it would just figure itself out, get squared away, and stay there. I failed to mention something as far as the weather forecast is concerned. There's actually a freeze warning, in effect. Starts at uh, midnight uh, tonight and runs through 8 a.m. tomorrow morning. So uh, gather up all the plants, gather up everything you want to save. Don't leave the animals out there if they're not used to being in that uh, sort of weather. But a freeze warning goes into effect tonight at midnight and runs, in effect, uh, through 8 a.m., tomorrow morning. So about eight hours where uh, temperatures are going to be a little crazy right there. 45 the high today with the possibility of maybe seeing uh, a a snow shower or some flurries. And then we'll drop down to 29 some some clouds giving way to a clear sky overnight. 29 the low. We'll bounce back 61 the expected high tomorrow. And 45 the low under a mostly sunny sky. Then we'll get all the way up to near 80 degrees on Sunday. Yeah, so if you don't like what's going to be happening today, just as they say, wait a a couple of days. 79 on Sunday with a low 56 and a partly cloudy sky. Scattered thunderstorms possible on Monday. High 75, low 55, 80 and partly cloudy on Tuesday with a low 64. Thunderstorms in 75 with a low of 43. I've already seen plenty of folks out cutting their yards. I mean, it's April and people are out there cutting the grass. Sometimes uh, people even put that uh, first round of fertilizer down. Maybe some people even do it as early as March. I don't know. Partly cloudy on Thursday and 58. Partly cloudy on Friday and 59. And then it looks like Saturday and Sunday. Mid-50s for highs. Saturday's high of uh, 57 with a partly cloudy sky. Morning showers on Sunday and a high of 54. So we'll get all of that taken care of. Uh, next Is next weekend Easter already? Yes, it is. Bob Lynch joining us in the studio. So next Sunday, Easter Sunday, look for morning showers and a high of 54 degrees. Easter's kind of a coin flip. It's either beautiful and everybody's out there in their Sunday best, 
or it's uh, raining cats and dogs and somebody stepped in a poodle. Uh, sorry. It's just kind of sitting out there. Since we've got the dog in here, a little dog humor this morning. However, 35 degrees is where we are right now with clouds broadcasting live from the world headquarters of SRG Financial Advisors. Uh, Dave Boppin joining us at 910 this morning with Among the Dogwoods. Bob Lynch from MoDOT joining us now. You know, uh, you picked a really good replacement when you're not able to come in here. Well, let's see if we can uh, keep him around a little bit longer. Tim Galton does a great job out there at the Camden Shed, and uh, he's great on the air as well. And I hear I, you guys just talk about football all the time. <laughs> you know, I don't think we talked football at all the last time he was on last week. I mean, but, um, man, you just, you know, he's. I think what's nice about that local connection is that local folks really get a good idea of what, you know, is being done here locally. I know you do a great job of covering that. But, you know, Tim's with the Camdenton Shed, so I don't think, you know, they're not talking about Kansas City or St. Louis or what's going on in, in Columbia. We're talking about what's happening here at the Lake of the Ozarks, and that's great. I think he does an awesome job, and so do you. You've always done it. You've been you've kind of paved the way for people like Tim to, uh, to do what uh, it is that you folks do. And then, of course, uh, you report to us here locally and then down uh, to the, uh, the folks in Lebanon. The Central District, is, is, is that... Safe to say that this is where we are, Central District? Yes, we're in the Central District. And so Central District covers how many counties, you think? We have 18 counties. Woo! So the western side is is Morgan County, uh, down through Camden County and, and Laclede County. Um, and that's as far south as we go. And then you go east from there. And really, we cover Potosi, uh, Salem, uh, areas like that to the south southeast, I'll call it. And of course, Callaway. in the central district, yes, and then Callaway County, um, you know, is kind of the farthest northern northeastern part of the county, and then uh, you go go west from there over to Howard. So, um, you know, it's uh, seven districts across the state, and we've changed that. You know, that was about ten years ago, and went from ten districts down to seven, just trying to be more efficient as an agency. And uh, if you look at our border. Uh, the outline of all the counties, it looks like it's a turtle. So we're known as the Turtle District. The Turtle District. Yes. That's a lot of ground for a central district. You think central would be more like uh, maybe like uh, Cole County and Boone County and uh, counties maybe a little bit to the east, to the west, to the south, to the north. But uh, you guys really cover a lot of ground. No, we do. And, uh, you know, it's it's really it's just about trying to be more efficient. Uh, there's still MoDOT buildings in each of those counties. We did you know, reduce the number of buildings uh, from a maintenance standpoint across the state as well. So there's at least one in each county and maybe even more than that, like uh, Laclede and Miller County. We have uh, two in those those counties here locally. So it just depends on the situation, how many miles are are there that they got to take care of and, you know, what's the best way to take care of that. So do you have an I- any idea, you've got seven districts, how many sheds are in the central district? Well, there's at least 18 because there's 18 counties. So right. there's there's a little more than that. There's, there's probably, one in each, at least one in each county. That's right. And so, I'm going to say there's probably uh, 21 to 23, uh, just offhand. Um, I know Callaway County has two counties or two uh, buildings. At least they did for a while. We right. may have changed that recently, but uh, no. I wanted to go back to your comments about Tim and. Um, appreciate that, and and really that that's who I use to get my knowledge is individuals like Tim and, right. and others within MoDOT. So 
Uh, he is very knowledgeable, obviously, from a maintenance standpoint of what they're doing, how they do it, uh, what they deal with, and you know, it's he's not getting it from me. I'm getting all my information <laughs> from folks like him, and um, that's how it's been over the years. I rely on you know the the total team effort that yeah. uh, we have here in the area, and it's uh, you know just been a great experience. Well, and, and I guess that's the case with every one of the sheds. You know, if there's something going on that you need to know about, that's where you get your information. And those folks know full well what it is they have to deal with. And in uh, certain circumstances, I'm sure there are some sheds that are busier than others based on where they're located. Um, you know, if you're close to a, a major city or, a, you know, a big group of folks, the population is relatively large in and around your shed. You know, you're probably dealing with a little bit more. But not to say that other folks are dealing with less because I'm sure they have their issues and things that they have to deal with as well. No, they're they're all equally busy, I assure you that. Um, you know, you you talk about uh, some of the, in a big city, you know, that some of that work has to be done at nighttime. So, oh, yeah. so their, their working hours may change. And we even do that here, uh, specifically in Osage Beach and Lake Ozark. Certainly during the summertime, there's things we just cannot do out there during the daytime. And really, it's getting more and more like that every day throughout the whole year. Uh, just from a safety standpoint, we, uh, you know, we try to do it in the off-peak time of travel times. And you know, when does that happen throughout the night? You right. know, never. Um, so uh, anyway, it's a challenge. And this next week coming up, you know, you mentioned Easter, but also, uh, you know, we're going to be talking about our Works on Awareness Week uh, for the year. And it's something we do every year uh, in April. And appreciate your comments earlier uh, on the radio about, uh, you know, trying to have people look out for us as we're along the roadway. And certainly, uh, you know, we also are concerned about the driving public. Uh, last year there was 17 fatalities uh, in a work zone. and um, Is that nationwide or just here in the state? Just here in the state. Oh, cut it out. And that's, that's an increase. And it's been increasing. Just like our total fatalities throughout the whole year, they've been going up. And it's just uh, the the risk that people are taking. They're not paying attention as they're driving. Things that you and I have talked about certainly uh, over the last uh, several months. And right. That that pattern, that behavior is is getting worse. And uh, well, it's like anything else. I mean, you know, uh, we mentioned the fact that these men and women that work and in, in, enter in work zones, you know, they've got families just like the rest of us in most cases. And I would imagine, you know. Um, uh, if you're part of the MoDOT family, you, you hear about somebody being hit, injured, or worse, being killed. It could have been a friend, you know, or, or, or somebody, even even maybe a family member. I'm sure there's some family members that work in, in MoDOT like any other business. Uh, but, but the thing about it is, is I always wondered if there was any training that these people have to go through in order to be a little bit more cognizant since they are out on the road. It doesn't make any difference where you're at. I would imagine if you're working on a narrow stretch of roadway versus, like, say, you know, a major highway or something like that, uh, the average uh, or the chance of you being involved in, in some sort of an altercation uh, uh, with a, uh, an automobile or somebody driving, I, I shouldn't say altercation, that's not the right word, but a situation, rather, where, you know, something could go terribly wrong. And I know that you try to give the uh, the folks that are out there working as much protection as possible, but do they have to go through any special training as far as being out on the road so they know, you know, they obviously have to keep their head on the swivel like anything else, but uh, is there special training that these folks are involved in? Oh, definitely. Uh, just, just from operating equipment to understanding work zones, 
Um, I think Tim probably has mentioned to you about those safety meetings they have each morning uh, when they're preparing for their, the work they're doing, depending on what it is. You know, are they going to be on the road? Are they going to be on the shoulder? Are they going to be cutting trees down? So there's there's safety-related uh, information tied to all the different aspects that maintenance does. And even our construction inspectors, you know, they're out there with the contractors. And uh, the, the first thing is what kind of work zone do you need? And uh, not only to protect the workers, but to try to get people through there safely. And how do you alert them? And so there's different measures that we've done over the years. You know, you, you, the, the work on Route 54 up by Eugene, you know, we have uh, rumble strips, uh, temporary rumble strips across the pavement trying to alert traffic because they're not looking at the signs. And uh, so I'm not sure who needs the training, more MoDOT or the individuals driving the roadway. And I don't know how to get that information to those drivers other than through communications like this and trying to get people to think about uh, whatever you're doing uh, while you're driving, uh, just turn it off, look away, or, you know, just focus on what you're doing, is, mm -hmm. which is driving, and that should be your main priority. And I'm not perfect, uh, never admit to that, and um, there's always going to be some distractions, you know, within that car for whatever reason, but the phone use has certainly changed that dynamic uh, over the years, and and like I said, the, the behavior is, is something that we all can change, and it's about saving maybe your life, somebody else's life, and so, uh, you know, it's a challenge, and we'll just c continue to educate. Well, I don't care how you, <clears throat> how you feel about any of the agencies out there and what they do uh, as far as, you know, financial stuff, whatever, but there's still human beings out there doing a job, and they still deserve to be able to go out and do their job, and like I said earlier, when they're done, uh, go home to their families, and, and that's obviously very important, and that's... That's what we're trying to stress here is that, you know, you're going to start seeing more road work as the weather improves, and you just need to slow down and take it easy. And, you know, there's the possibility of injury on both sides, not just the workers, but, you know, if it's somebody driving a car through a work zone too fast and not paying attention, your life is in jeopardy just as much as the people that are out there on the roads. But the emphasis is on the fact that these folks are out there doing a the job, and we just, you know, like them to be able to do it one piece and get home safely sure um you know the part of the safety measures that we put in place are those trucks that have what we call tmas and basically they're a crash cushion on a, on the back of a, a dump truck and usually those are used in slow moving operations or or it could be an operation where they're going to be there for a short period of time you know it's stand they're standing still um but last year 61 impacts where people are driving up on this uh work zone again mm -hmm. and luckily we've had this uh, tma in place and uh, people have impacted it and you know over the last three years there's been you know two people that have lost their lives uh not modot you know not not part of the modot family but the individuals hitting the back of that truck and of course the lights are flashing we have devices on those that the driver's actually obviously in the vehicle and when they see that the car is not moving over and looks like there's going to be an impact they do have a panic button that they we call it to where it really increases the the alertness of the vehicle being there trying again to get the attention of the driver and unfortunately you know that they, they're not they're just not watching where they're going and all of a sudden they're right into the back of the of a truck so it's uh those things are avoidable simple as that and uh you know again we're trying to make that awareness to the drivers you've got a in some cases a one-ton vehicle going at a high rate of speed and you're not paying attention, and you can't, you don't react until maybe possibly the last second, or who knows if you're not paying attention, maybe not even at all. 
And it, 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 to me, anyway, it boggles the mind of how someone can run into one of those big MoDOT dump trucks. I mean, it's, it's yellow. <laughs> You've got the flashing lights on it. It's uh, maybe going a little slower. And, and I don't know, but it still happens. So the uh, main thing is, folks, watch out for the workers and, and all those people when they're out there doing what they're doing, like I said. It doesn't make any difference if it's MoDOT, if it's uh, county, if it's state, uh, if it's uh, local, city, whatever. They're, you know, they're all important to somebody. And uh, you're not going to lose that much time slowing down to go through a work zone. 8.52, let's talk projects, Bob Lynch. Uh, I did see, uh, speaking of the Camberton shed, I did see uh, the pothole patrol. I saw one of the trucks with some uh, some fill in the back and a shovel. And so they were obviously out on pothole patrol. But uh, what other projects uh, do we need to be aware of at this point? Well, more and more each day the contractors are getting going. Um and, of course, we've had work on Route 54. I already mentioned about that with proving a lot of the intersections between Eugene and, and uh, Lake Ozark. Also, uh, we just talked to the contractor about paving Route 42 from Iberia over to Osage Beach, and that also includes Route 54 from the Grand Glaze Bridge over to, uh, you know, 242 Interchange, I'll call it, uh, and also part of the parkway. And... Uh, so they're getting ready to start in the middle of the month, and they'll be starting in Iberia and heading towards uh, Osage Beach. So pay attention to the work zone on Route 42. Over on 52, uh, between Highway 17 and through St. Elizabeth to 133, uh, the contractor's been active out there. Adding the shoulder width, it's going to be needed because we're going to put two-foot shoulders on that route as well as an overlay. And So off to a good start, I'll call it. Um, and then, of course, our maintenance crews, typically what they'll do is they'll prep those roads that the overlays are going to go on. So um, they're trying to get out ahead of the contractor on those routes once we know their schedule. And uh, so you'll see work on Route J in uh, Camden County uh, in preparation for uh, a new uh, seal code on that and also Route 7 with a new overlay. So, uh, you know, our crews are busy. You know, we uh, also dealing with the weather that we have and, you know, the rain events and all that that uh, comes along with that. So, um, you know, typical year, I guess. 8.54 and 35 degrees with a cloudy sky. And he's probably wondering why I'm going to even ask him this question in the first place. But uh, are you on track to finish the re- the bridge over Bagnell Dam by the uh, end of this month? We sure hope so. Uh, I don't know if it's going to be finished, uh, but we're trying to figure out what to do with this weather. Right. We need uh, several days of dry weather and we need certain temperatures to apply this seal treatment that is needed to protect the concrete that's out there. You know, we're trying to prov- provide longevity to the to the bridge structure. You know, the dam is fine. Don't want to mis you know confuse people out there, but just the bridge structure that's attached to the dam. We're trying to create that longevity. Uh, you know, 15, 20, 25 years uh, into the future, and uh, we're just not getting that extended period of warm weather and dry weather and obviously it's springtime and those you know you have rain events and, and those challenges we understand that so trying to see what we can figure out um and hopefully next friday i'll have some information for you well that would be great and i know people would appreciate it but at the same time we understand you know we've talked about how this has been an uphill battle from the start and how weather has been a factor and then determining uh, what it is you have to deal with at the bridge and you found some things along the way uh, that have kind of slowed the project down. But in order to do this, you want to do it the right way. You want to be thorough about the approach so that the work you do now lasts until maybe you need to uh, 
revisit it. Yes, I mean we're we're spending one point eight million dollars, and you don't want to do something that isn't, and you're just throwing that money away. You know that's not what we do. We want it. Well, we want a good product out there, and the weather is creating that challenge. So we'll uh, w- when we're ready to give the weather forecast for next week, we'll we'll uh, we'll shout out to Bob and tell him to turn the radio down because he probably doesn't want to listen to what we've got to talk about because you're going to have some nice. Uh, Nice temperatures, some comfortable temperatures, but it looks like there's some precipitation in the forecast for uh, early next week anyway. We'll have to wait and see how things play out. 8.56 is our time. So um, just real quick, how did the uh, the uh, big train event go? Awesome. You know, uh, appreciate all the efforts that uh, the media helped us with advertising the event and uh, had a lot of vendors there, you know, over 70 tables, and then we had a lot of people show up and enjoy the day so it was great um it was a good problem because you know some of the guys in our train group train group said uh you know i didn't have a chance to go around myself it's like because they were too busy good uh, working with the customers trying to help with uh, their their concerns you know we had questions about how do i create this certain landscape on the uh on my layout you know how do i fix my engine you know what do i buy for this certain type of scenario and so we were pointing Depending on who the expert was within our group, that's where we were pointing the, the customers to is to find out, you know, what what are those solutions. So really enjoyed it. There was a lot of youth there, a lot of families, and I had one young gentleman uh, manage my layout for a while uh, <laughs> so I can go get lunch. And, that's great. And he kept coming back, and he, he's like, I, you know, N-Scale is my train, you know, trains that I like, and uh-huh. uh, I'll be happy to operate your train all day. So. Uh, he was there with his grandfather, and they did stay there all day. And and the little little guy uh, just just loved playing with the trains. And that's the reward. That's the overall satisfaction for people who get involved in this is the ability to do it with family and friends, and you know, uh, different generations all coming together for a common purpose to uh, to build and. Uh, to spend time together, and uh, you know, y- you get involved in the whole process, and and I'm sure there's other other things that uh, that happen as well for the better when uh, the family gets together, and, and and that's the whole purpose of what you folks do. Yes, and uh, you know, we're we appreciate the Community Christian Church allowing us to be there and the help that they provided, and you know, next October, this this October coming up, we're going to have our second one. We do two a year, and so um, you know, it's. Just want to get that awareness out there, and there's certainly a lot of people that that have layouts. It, it's uh, you know, you talk to the individuals that come in, and they talk about the layouts they created, and it's just amazing what people have. I got to say that you know, I got involved in got involved in it as a little kid, and then uh, as I got a little bit older, I kind of got away from it. But I came back to it when I was in my uh, late teens, early twenties, and again, kind of got away from it. But the whole point being is that regardless. Um, you can be any age. You can be a little kid. You know, you can be uh, a teenager. You can be a young adult. You can be uh, father, grandfather, mom, grandma, whoever, sisters. Everybody uh, can uh, can enjoy this and do it as a family. And that's we always talk about how we've lost touch. You know, as as, as the family unit. But man, this is a great way to rebuild all that. It is, and uh, you know, we we meet as a train club, and we meet uh, the first Saturday of each month at the Family Train Center. Our layout is, is in uh, the store there in Camden, And uh, we'll be there, you know, at 10 o'clock when the store opens. And if people want to come and 
maybe run their personal trains on our layout. Uh, it is a DCC layout. Uh, or you can just watch us do it. We'll, we'll have you run what we have. Right. And um, it's, um, you know, just a fun time. Well, certainly want to thank you for the opportunity to talk MoDOT, to talk trains, to talk family. And we'll look forward to having you back here uh, next Friday. Very good. Thank you, KB. Bob Lynch with the Missouri Department of Transportation. Always great to talk to Bob and get the uh, lowdown on what's happening in our area and uh, even in some cases around the state with uh, some of the projects that MoDOT has got going on that you need to be aware of. It is 9 o'clock on the Midwest Coast. We'll step aside. Stacy Johnson with local news. Chris Schneider with sports. Stacy with lakeexpo.com, your trusted news source. And Chris with Lake TV, the lake's only full-service TV outlet facility at the beautiful Lake of the Ozarks. And, uh, oh, by the way, it's 35 degrees with some clouds. We'll uh, recap the weather forecast. And then Dave Moppin will join us. We'll get all updated with uh, his most recent edition of Among the Dogwoods on Key Radio here on The Daily Show. The Lake of the Ozarks' only community radio station. That's right. You've got a hand in it, Lake of the Ozarks. 89.3 KEYK, Osage Beach, Missouri. I'm Stacy Johnson, and this is your Lake Expo News Cut for Friday, April 8th. How's your septic tank doing? Maybe a weird question, but if you're the Lake of the Ozarks Watershed Alliance, Lowell wants to help Lake Area residents who need a septic tank pump out. They're offering $50 reimbursement coupons for septic tank pump outs. Reimbursements must occur with a map boundary that can be found on the Lowell website at lowellwatershed.com, and they are first come, first serve. If you've ever been interested in planting native plants and bringing more local butterflies to your garden, Missouri Conservation is doing a class on just that. Wednesday, April 27th from noon to 1, MDC is hosting a webcast on planting the right native plants in the right places. More information at mdc.mo.gov. Warmer spring weather has Missourians starting outdoor home improvement projects, but Amron is reminding everyone to call 1-800-DIG-RIGHT before doing any digging. Each year, more than 40% of homeowners risk unintentionally damaging buried utility lines during home projects. Unearthing lines can be costly and dangerous, and Amron says they might be buried closer to the surface than you think. For more info, at mo1call.com. This has been your Lake Expo News Cut. All this news and more at lakeexpo.com. Lake news, events, boating, and the lake life, lakeexpo.com. Portions of the programming on Key Radio are made possible through a generous donation from lakeexpo.com. Lakeexpo.com is a locally owned daily news website connecting residents, second homeowners, visitors, and the boating community to the Lake of the Ozarks. Lake Expo features real estate and boats for sale, upcoming events at the lake, and their exclusive boating club, X-Toe. Download the free Lake Expo app on the App Store and Google Play. LakeExpo.com, the lake's trusted news source.
I'm Chris Schneider with your Key Radio Lake TV sports update for this Friday. Opening day in Major League Baseball turns out to be a winner for both the Cardinals and the Royals. The Redbirds beating the Pirates 9 to nothing. Albert Pujols making his return. Apparently had to hold back some tears during a standing ovation when he was introduced. Adam Wainwright gets the win. Tyler O'Neill a three-run homer and a nice win to start the season for for the Cardinals, they're actually off today. They'll play the Pirates again tomorrow. For the Royals, it was the return of Zach Greinke, who made his first start in a Royals uniform since 2010. And the Royals go on to beat Cleveland 3-1. to It was a cold one, 47 degrees and windy at first pitch. And the Royals go on to get the win. Well, round one of golf's Masters in the books. Round two today, South Korea's Sanjay Im atop the leaderboard going into the second round at five under par. Cameron Smith a shot back. American Dustin Johnson two shots back going into today's second round. St. Louis Blues have won three straight. They're at home to the wild tonight. NASCAR boys will be at Martinsville. They'll run that race tomorrow. There have been seven different races so far this year and seven different winners. College baseball, Mizzou 18-8 and going into the weekend. They've got a three-game series at uh, Tennessee, Missouri State 14-10. and They've got a three-game series at Dallas Baptist. As for college softball, the Mizzou Lady Tigers 23-13 and going into the weekend. They've got a three-game series at Mississippi State. And the MSU Ladies are 13-14. and They've got a three-game home series against Indiana State. Keep in mind, coming up later this month, the NFL Draft. That will get started on April 28th, Jacksonville with the number one pick. And uh, the Chiefs will have two first-round picks after making that big trade with Miami, getting rid of Tyreek Hill. Hey, you got to check out KB on TV. It's What's Burning with Kevin KB Burns, 7, 5, and 11 every day. Lake TV bringing you five local Lake Area shows. And don't forget about Uncle Chris. Chris at the top of the hour. Almost every hour, you can see Lake TV on Como Channel 90, absolutely free on Roku. Just do a search for Lake TV and streaming live 24-7, 365 at MyLakeTV.com. I'm Chris Schneider with your Key Radio Lake TV sports update for this Friday. Portions of our programming on Key Radio made possible thanks to Lake TV. Lake TV is your hometown local TV station. Featuring Cup of Coffee with Will and Chris, What's Burning with KB, live high school sports, real estate, dining, boating, and of course, the annual Lake of the Ozarks shootout. Lake TV on Como Connect, Channel 90, Roku, YouTube, Facebook and Instagram, and of course, online at MyLakeTV.com. If it's happening at the lake, it's happening on Lake TV. There is a battle raging for the hearts and minds of our children, a battle to erase Christian values and constitutional principles. Concerned Women for America of Missouri invites you to their state conference April 9th in Springfield to hear leaders and experts speak on important issues, including critical race theory, transgenderism, and election integrity. You'll leave inspired and equipped. The night before, CWA will hold their pastor-to-pastor dinner, Leading in today's culture, learn what churches can legally do to bring biblical values to all areas of influence 
and lead your congregation in these difficult times. There's no cost to pastors. RSVP on Eventbrite. For information, visit the CWA of Missouri Facebook events page. your thoughts, ideas, and skills, maybe even a talent, on the Lakes Community Radio Station, 89.3 The Key. All right, here we go. 9.09 is our time. Welcome back into The Daily Show, our Friday edition. 34 degrees now here in beautiful downtown Osage Beach, again broadcasting live from the world headquarters of SRG Financial Advisors. And we are happy to have the opportunity to uh, to talk with you. Get you ready for the weekend, maybe. I don't know. A couple of things going on that we mentioned. Food Truck Festival and some other things. And, of course, we've got uh, Dave Maupin. He's uh, warming up. He uh, he does. I remember there was a line on MASH um, when the, uh, the chaplain, the divisional chaplain, went to see Father Mulcahy. And uh, he was wanting him to write a letter. Uh, Father Mulcahy, he, he wanted Father Mulcahy to write a letter to this boy that had been injured, and, and Father Mulcahy was a little hesitant to do so because they didn't know, you know, if the kid was going to live or die. So uh, he said, I want to see a, a first draft of that by, you know, 1,600 hours or whatever time he gave. He said, right now I've got to, you know, go do my three push-ups and take some milk of magnesia. But that's the same workout routine for Dave Maupin. Yeah, I don't know if that's true, but uh, <laughs> I'm just glad to be here. Well, we're glad to have you here, and we know that you've got a lot to talk about, so we're going to make this short, sweet, and to the point. 45 for the high, 29 for the low. We uh, could see some flurries, some snow showers. As a matter of fact, flurries. Uh, I, I stepped out here at the top of the hour, and uh, yes, we were getting some flurries. 29 the low with a partly cloudy sky. Scattered frost possible. Freeze warning in effect uh, tonight, midnight until tomorrow morning. Uh, at 8 a.m. So midnight up until 8 a.m. Make sure everything is where it needs to be inside. We'll start to rebound nicely for the weekend. 61 the high on Saturday. Tomorrow mostly sunny, partly cloudy, and 79 on Sunday. Scattered thunderstorms and 73 on uh, on Monday. 79 the high with a partly cloudy sky on Tuesday. Thunderstorms possible Wednesday with a high of 75. Uh, sunny on Thursday, 56 the high, 59 and partly cloudy on Friday as we get into next weekend. Again, it looks like anywhere from uh, mid to possibly upper 50s on Saturday and Sunday of next uh, next weekend. So there you go. Real quick check of one other thing we need to uh, do, and that's the 
uh, lake level. I know there is someone out here who enjoys hearing that because I, I got an email from that person. Thanks for including <laughs> the lake level and, and river level. 655.17, and uh, as of right now, we have a, a river level of 558.97. So there you go, folks, and that's pretty much the long and short of all of the conditions. Weather and uh, the like, I forgot uh, I was going to, I told Bob Lynch, I said before we give the weather, we'd give him a shout out so he could turn the radio down <clears throat> because they're trying to get that bridge done over Bagnell Dam. And uh, the weather is uh, probably the c- key component at this point of, uh, of making that all happen and uh, allowing them to get things finished up. So sorry, Bob, I owe you one. Looks like, uh, as we said, Dave Moppin is here and he has a, a full complement of information from uh, what, how many meetings? I think there were about four meetings since the last time we talked. So, really? So yeah, well, I figured we'll cover uh, some of the older ones first, uh-huh. and then after the break we can hit the most recent Well, one. you know, um, if you've got a lot going on, I'll forego that bottom-of-the-hour information break unless you feel winded or need to get up and walk around or use the restroom because you said you had a lot uh, to talk about. So we'll just kind of base it on where we are when, when we get to that point. I'll, I'll give you the signal if I need relief. All okay. right. <laughs> Good enough. Yes, yeah, so we had a March 31st commission meeting. Uh, this was basically a follow-up on the uh, the CAFO one. We've talked about the CAFO's concentrated animal feeding operations, and the commission had basically uh, uh, gotten away, gotten rid of the ordinance that they had that were restricting CAFOs in this county. And one of the goals was that they wanted uh, Camden County to become agro-ready. So it's kind of like uh, once you meet certain requirements, you can apply with Missouri Farmers Care, and then they'll designate you as an AgriReady County. And so at this meeting, the commission voted to apply for AgriReady status, and they voted to remove uh, certain CAFO language from the Planning and Zoning's uh, Unified Land Use Code. Right. So, uh, so that passed. <laughs> excuse me, that passed, and so basically that that means that a. Uh, Basically, there's gonna. There, I gotta stop saying basically all the time. It drives me crazy. I get like I say, obviously, that's my word. Yeah, <laughs> I listen later. I'm just like, yeah, basically. Okay, so uh, <laughs> so yeah, the idea with AgriReady is they're gonna they can bring in uh, camera crews and they're gonna film some ads for Camden County, basically advertising it as a as an AgriReady county to try to encourage uh, other development for agriculture, like maybe uh, meat processing, like to process livestock, or just bring in other farmers and other operations into the area. So it's kind of free of charge. Like a Tyson or a Smithfield kind of a thing? No, I don't think that's what they're looking for. Yeah, but yeah I, in fact, they were saying Smithfield actually wouldn't be interested in the type of operation. They've already got their big, full-sized operations in other areas because, of course, that's always going to be everyone's concern, that you'll have a giant Smithfield uh, hog operation next to your development. But that, <laughs> that, that's not really what it's, what's going to happen. They, they did mention, though, that they're going to remove that language for the, from the land use code, and I think it's interesting. Uh, I don't know if they've considered the fact that some areas within the planning and zoning district are actually, there are agricultural designated areas within that, um, within that zoning district. So I hope they didn't, I didn't really look too much into it, but I hope they didn't remove restrictions on that planning and zoning district because I don't think, while the idea of having a CAFO out in the unzoned areas, the more rural areas might be okay, I don't think anyone's going to be a big fan of having a, a big livestock feeding operation in the in the planning and zoning district like with you know around a bunch of residential properties and mm-hmm. stuff like that but there are requirements on the CAFOs so uh, they have to have a buffer a uh, certain size buffer of uh, certain acreage so it might be that there's not many agricultural lots within that planning and zoning district that would allow a CAFO even considering the DNR restrictions for it so so that happened uh, at that meeting that was basically it uh, I think everybody was pretty happy 
about how that one went. And the only people there were basically, I think it was Jim Sherrill was there uh, from the Farm Bureau. And so uh, that one basically went through without much contention. So then looking, we've got, we had another meeting uh, after that. There was one on Monday that was covering road vacations. And so this is like a confusing term because, you know, it's not a vacation. It's a, uh, basically on the, I think it's every Monday, first Monday of the quarter, the, the county will do all their road vacation petitions. So the idea is that if you own a property and you have a road that only you have access to, or basically you don't want to have the county maintaining it anymore, people don't want to be, have it as a road, right. then you, you do a petition and you have to get neighbors to sign off on it. And so that the idea is that each person who has a property adjacent to that has to agree to the county no longer maintaining the road. Okay. And once that all goes through, then the county, the commission will approve it. And then basically they take away the road. So the road's not a county road anymore. You could, you could possibly gate it off or fence it. You know, it just becomes basically like a dirt or gravel road that's just part of your property. Generally, these aren't very controversial, um, but sometimes they are because there's occasionally uh, other owners who need that road to get access to their properties, and they don't want it closed off, or they don't want it once it once it gets vacated. You can kind of do with it as you as you will as the property owner. Um, the first one that went through was was uh, approved by the commission, no problem. The second one didn't have any signatures from any of the uh, the other property owners, so basically the commission rejected that one as incomplete. And then the third one was uh, an interesting thing because there was a, an older couple there that were asking for the, the road, roads to be vacated in Climax Springs. And two of them seemed like they were only on their property, but the third one was actually uh, shared. They had a, a, a neighbor who actually was on that road too. Half of the road had been vacated in 2004. So the other half was the one that they were trying. They're trying to, it was Murray Street, I think. They wanted to vacate the other half of that. The issue is they didn't have a signature from the other landowner who was there. So the commission was explaining that to them. And then the guy basically said, well, I didn't sign off on 2004 when, when they vacated that other half of the road. Like, how could they vacate that half without my signature? And now you're asking me to have a signature to vacate the other half of it. And so it looks like that road v petition probably wasn't done correctly back in 2004, but that's more of an issue that, I mean, they didn't really care if that it had been vacated. They were just confused why there was a sudden requirement for a signature when they hadn't had to do that before. Right. So, uh, but yeah, so that, 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 uh, they basically, they explained to them what they need to do. They were a little nervous about contacting the, uh, neighbor because I guess they've had some misadventures with some other neighbors in the area. So adventures. Yeah, I mean, there was a like basically a fight that happened on one of the roads. And, Whoops. Yeah. So, uh, so the deputies had to come out. You know, and these these folks are a little bit older. They're not looking to get in any fights. I mean, just like I don't fight anymore because I can't afford to buy new glasses all the time. You know, it's like <laughs> <laughs> it's, I'm not interested in getting any fist fights. Right. But yeah, so they uh, they decided they're going to do that and they're going to try. I suggested maybe they get a process server. A process server might be able to go over to the neighbor and just get a signature for them, and that way they don't have to feel like, you know, they don't they're not getting into any action or anything with their neighbor or any controversy. So I, hopefully they'll do that, and that might work it out. So they're going to basically it got tabled. They're going to bring that road petition back uh, at a later date and try to get it approved by the commission. And then we had the Tuesday meeting. So the Tuesday meeting was. Uh, the first thing was going to be the audit. So the county had a budget audit, mm -hmm. and they've had that. They've basically been doing yearly audits. They just uh, their financial situation, their, you know, the controls they have over purchasing, because they have a new fiscal policy that's supposed to kind of regulate what they spend money on and what they don't. So the issue with that was 
uh, it had come back and there were no uh, findings, which is basically is a good thing on audit. So when they get the audit and it comes back no findings, that means everything looks good for them. So this was the second year in a row where they'd had no findings. So you know the, everybody was kind of enthusiastic about that. They thought that was a good idea, that that had gone really well. They were also talking about getting visitors passes for the metal detectors. So what's been happening is we remember that they they installed metal detectors and it's created a little bit of a bottleneck at the rear entrance to the courthouse because the deputy has to go through everyone's purses and go through all the little pockets and you know I mean obviously it, it has been effective at keeping guns from getting into the courthouse because we'd mentioned before that in the first couple months that they did it the sheriff's department said they'd found 150 firearms on people that had come in the courthouse yikes <laughs> so yeah so they and they just asked them hey go put it out in your car or, mm -hmm. but i mean there hadn't been any problems it's not like there'd been any trouble in the courthouse or anything but so the basically the planning and zoning board members and the sewer board members are getting uh, irritated because they're already volunteering their time and you know they're they're spending hours. These meetings can go to like 9 p.m. And now they're having to wait outside at the metal detector for another 20 or 30 minutes while people are going through. So the suggestion was made that they give visitors passes basically to the board members so they can avoid the metal detectors. They can basically show their visitors pass and uh, then they don't have to go through it. And they could also give it to contractors. Like each elected official would have a couple visitors passes and they would hand them out to visitors and then they could just enter the building. Mm -hmm. So that got approved. So they were gonna start doing visitors passes. And then when they mentioned the, the budget audit, they were talking about all the good stuff they'd done, how they had upgraded all the, com the computer systems for their financial system to make it easier to track finances and all, all the sorts of things. And then uh, one gal was like, well, you know, there's all this great stuff going on in the county. It would be nice maybe if we could do a newsletter or something like that that would describe some of the good stuff that's happening instead of, you know, everybody being critical all the time. And then so C Commissioner Hasty looked at me in the back and said, pointed and said, well, you got that guy right back there. I think he's doing that. <laughs> so, You've got your newsletter. Just subscribe to Among the Dogwoods. Yeah. So I was. then I joked. I was like, oh, was I supposed to be writing everything down? I wasn't aware <laughs> to keep track of all this. So, so then uh, Commissioner Gohagen said, you know what? I'll just make a motion. Why don't we give Dave a visitor's pass? And uh, Commissioner Williams was like, no, 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 that's not, we're not doing that. That's, but then Commissioner Hasty got caught up in it all and he said, you know, even though all he does is write bad stuff about me, I think I'll approve it. So they, they approved a visitor's pass for me. Uh, and I, I responded to him, hey, I just write what you say. I'm not writing bad stuff. I mean, I just write what people say at the meetings. Uh, and so everyone was kind of shocked. I mean, the sheriff's office, I don't think was expecting me to get a visitor's pass <laughs> out of the deal but that's what ended up happening so uh i then went down and talked to the deputy downstairs who i know she runs the metal detectors and i started lording it over her a little bit like you don't have any authority over me now i can just skip your metal and she's like they gave you a visitor's pass she's like that is ridiculous like how, why do you she's like why do you get a visit i didn't i admit it is ridiculous that i have a visitor's pass but um i didn't appreciate her taking away the joy out of my special moment there. But that's, <laughs> that's fine. You know, though, let's let's put this into perspective, folks. He goes to all the meetings. He's retired. He doesn't, you know, make any money on this gig. So I don't think it's uh, out of uh, line, out of sorts for you to have a visitor's pass. I mean, it's a visitor's pass. So, you know, like, what's the big deal? Yeah, I'm a retired police officer. I think it's pretty safe to let me know. Yeah. Even then, I mean, just because you have a visitor's pass doesn't mean you can carry a gun in the building. You're uh -huh. supposed to not. There's signs everywhere that say you're not allowed to do it. Right. So I can carry my gun anywhere in the 50 states, but 
not into the courthouse. So it's it's just weird. But yeah, so that happened. And then so on Thursday, I went to the meeting and uh, I was expecting maybe I would get my visitor's pass. And they told me the machine is broken. I see. So and so it's pretty clear to me. It's a little suspicious, but I'm pretty clear there was a lot of regret afterwards about them giving me a visitor's pass. Uh, you mentioned Don Williams kind of getting a little uh, concerned about it. What was his uh, what was his issue? What was his problem with you having a visitor's pass? I just think he thinks I shouldn't get one. <laughs> I don't know if I don't know if some people were con- now now that people are looking back, I don't know if they worry it's giving me too much legitimacy <laughs> if I get a visitor's pass. Yeah. Uh yeah, I think he just felt that it wasn't appropriate for somebody like me to, to just have their own visitor's pass to get in the building. So <clears throat> so I am suspicious. I think probably they've decided they're not going to give me a visitor's pass uh having reflected back on that moment. But they're now using the excuse that the machine's broken to not give it to me. Uh, I expect in the future. The funniest thing is they actually made a motion to give it to me. So if they're going to not give it to me, they basically ordered the sheriff's office to give me a visitor's pass. To not give it to me, they're going to have to make another motion and basically like revoke my visitor's pass. Uh-oh, sounds like we might be going down uh, the same road uh, in another direction with a, you know what I mean? Yeah, I, you know, it's not a big deal to me. I think I, just teasing, I, I, thought the, I thought the whole thing was pretty funny overall. Yeah, but yeah, uh, yeah. So then I haven't written this one up, but at this particular meeting where they would not give me my visitors pass, the uh, they they had the people from BKD there, the uh-huh. consultants. So right. A commissioner Gohagen had been a little upset that we weren't getting a good response back from BKD. We paid them uh, roughly around somewhere around two hundred thousand dollars. What you said, yeah, to be our ARPA consultants, and so they basically showed up. They gave a big presentation. Uh, slide presentation and it was good you know they basically they showed us all the the different requirements for ARPA they explained the big thing they explained is the Department of Treasury has a final rule that they put out so you know what will happen is they'll tell you you get all this ARPA money and then they'll put a bunch of restrictions on what it can be used for but then over the months it slowly starts to change you know they adjust the rules they modify them so until you get that final rule on, on how the money can be spent you really don't want to be earmarking and spending money because you know you don't know yet what you can spend it on and in fact so there there is kind of a it feels like there's a little bit of a rush sometimes to spend this money you know we've got 8.9 million dollars i think somewhere 8.7 8.9 and they've basically earmarked almost twice that amount you know just from everyone asking you know they're like you know, because they'll earmark it and earmark it and earmark it, and I don't know if they were keeping track of, of what they've been earmarking for. So now you're creating a problem within a problem because, uh, number one, you don't want to spend it, but then you've made promises to people. I, now, I say earmark versus a promise. You know, it's six and one-half dozen of another when it comes to that because somebody says, well, we would like to be able to, you know, have X amount of dollars for something, you know, piece of equipment or salaries or what have you. Because all of this falls under certain qualifications, as you mentioned. And now you've said, well, okay to you, and okay to you, and okay to you, and 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 you. Oh, and by the way, we've doubled the amount, you know. Yeah, and, and for, the, for the actual spending, the contracts have to be signed by 2024, and the, the projects have to be completed by 2026. Mm-hmm. So there's not a real rush. I mean, I, I get the idea that with all these municipalities and counties having this money, you might be competing for construction resources and stuff if you wait till the last minute. But, you know, I mean, you don't have to rush. and sp- It doesn't have to be all spent by April. You know, it's like. The interesting thing about it, though, is we have no crystal ball and we have no way of predicting the future. 
So we really don't know what things are going to be like in 2024. And uh, if you're approving it, you know, 2024, and it has to be completed by 2026, let's hope between, you know, now and then that not a whole lot changes. And, 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 and I think that's the real concern here. And, and again, we're giving out this ARPA money, which really, you think about it, shouldn't have been done in the first place. A lot of people really object to the fact that, you know, all of these various entities, cities, counties, states, what have you, I mean, Missouri just passed their $46 billion budget, which had it not been for the, the, the money, they would have not even been uh, close to doing anything like this. So <clears throat> what does that mean? Certainly for the future, okay, so... You've got money, you've earmarked money for this, that, and the other thing. I, I just, I feel like, you know, you're, you're you're like a little kid making a wish list at Christmas. Right. And Cir- circling things in that catalog. <laughs> you know, like uh, like he does in Christmas Story where he leaves the magazine That's with right. the with the, the uh, ad for the gun right yeah. there so mom can see it or dad can see it there in Look Magazine, whatever. Yeah, I'm, I'm dating myself with my Christmas gift selection. I don't think it works like that. <laughs> no, but the point is is that you know you were you're you're making all this stuff all these wishes for your wish list and then it turns out you're a rotten brat and you know, do you get any of that yeah if you go back to the maybe mid 2021 it was all broadband broadband you know that's all they were getting all these presentations from broadband then the sewer and water districts came in and said how much they needed and i sure. think that kind of dumped a lot of the broadband stuff off the back of the truck sewers roads and bridge i mean yeah so so yeah, they're looking at the restrictions. Initially, were uh, they had to be, it had to either be COVID related or or sewer, water, or rural. I think rural broadband or just broadband. Right. And so, but now it's, it's interesting because they've actually uh, come up with something called like a short form that you can do if you get less than ten million dollars, which we qualify for, and you just check the short form box. You don't have to basically. And you're not really restricted on how you spend the money very much at all. So then you can say, basically, then you can just use the money, I believe, for, like, government services. Well, and then the only other thing that I can recall in talking about this money is that the government has put together uh, a group that uh, is going to make sure that everybody is spending it properly. And uh, there might be some audits. Uh, There could very well be some instances where... Uh, maybe they misinterpreted uh, what the language means versus what they've earmarked the money for. So there's a lot of different things in there. And and who's to say that we're not going to end up going through another bout of this where there's another COVID variant that comes out that, uh, you know, puts everybody back in their homes and they're going to try to, you know, close down businesses like they did when this all started. And, and it's just, see the big mess that they've created here? I mean... The government wants to come in and prop everybody up and help everybody. You can't do that. I mean, they say only the strong survive. I, I, I don't necessarily think that's true. I think people who are smart and plan accordingly and have looked at what has already happened, they say, you know what, we certainly don't want to put all our eggs in one basket because if we do, the government comes back in again. Uh, if they create another uh, emergency, and then people are just, you know, <laughs> it is what it is. That's exactly what it is. So I believe we've got uh, somebody calling in here this morning. And I don't know why I'm not hearing it come through, but we'll see if we can't get this person on with us. Caller, are you there? Good morning. Hey, can there you is. hear me? I got you. Go ahead. So I got a couple questions here <laughs> on this ARPA money. What is the... In- 
stated and intended purpose of this money that's coming from the government? Why did they give it out to local entities? Well, I believe it's supposed to make up for, for lost revenue or, you know, it's basically to help through COVID. That's the idea that these were all things. But really, it's kind of just a big game. Right. Yeah, right. One, and yeah, um, how much of a downturn, how much of an economic downturn did Camden County suffer from COVID? Because yeah. according to Greg Hasty, we have the greatest economy uh, of all time. Right. So the interesting thing about this is to do the short form for the $10 million or less, you basically have to have lost revenue during the year. And we obviously did not lose revenue. But if you do the short form, you can just say you lost revenue and they won't ask about it. It's kind of like a freebie. Mm, right. Yeah. So, so it, it's so it is essentially nothing more than a slush fund that our children and our grandchildren will have to pay back because our officials are greedy and they cannot break their addiction off of other people's money. Is that a fair statement? Yeah, I think that the idea that any time we get tax money and we think that it's free, I think that's that's delusional, right? Because it's our money. And, and caller, let, let let's kind of put this into perspective a little bit. Let's say that it wasn't something like the pandemic, which caused everybody uh, to have to close their doors for a while or work at home for a while. Let's just say it was an individual who, uh, you know, ran upon some bad luck. You know, maybe uh, their business burned down. Or they had some other issues where they had to close right. the door. How do they make up for that income shortage? I mean, what do they have to do? Uh, you know, in, in some cases, I would imagine they could probably just, you know, depending on how bad the situation was, close the doors, say the heck with it, take the insurance money, and do whatever they want to do. Uh, or in some cases, they want to turn around and rebuild. But how do they make up for that gap between the time? Let's say, for example, let's just use this as an example. Their business burns down yet they still want to continue business, so they get the insurance money, they put it back into the business, they rebuild, they open their doors, but there was a period of, let's say, three months, four months, six months, who knows, a year, where they weren't making any money. Can they go to the government and say, hey, listen, we just had a uh, about a bad luck. Would you mind giving us some money to prop us up for that time we weren't open? I mean, does that really make sense? I mean, uh, it, 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 I guess it just has to be on such a grand scale where the government feels as though they need to step in and prop everybody up, when in reality, as you mentioned, it's more right. or less a slush fund. I mean, look at what they're using this money for, and in some instances, it has absolutely nothing to do or is even related to COVID. It's like... We had we we had a little bit of daylight, you know. The door was open just far enough for us to get our foot in, and now we've kicked the door wide open, and we're giving all these different entities money and saying, basically, from what I'm gathering from what Dave said, uh, giving them all the, this money and saying, "Heck, do whatever the hell you want with it. Who cares?" Yeah, that, that's exactly right. And those uh, businesses that had their business burned down or whatever, if somebody works the, in insurance, there are limits. Uh, to that insurance policy. There are limits that they're going to pay out. So uh, even if you have the best insurance policy in the world, you're probably not going to be put back to, you know, to being whole at all. And the fact that we, here's what really gets under my skin. If we had a, a, a disaster here, tornado like they had in Joplin, something that just wiped the area out, I could understand some uh, level of uh, assistance from the government coming in to help people and things like that. I get that. But we didn't suffer a downturn, not at all. In fact, we're, we're doing better than we've ever done because of businesses and their patrons. And the fact that we're taking this money 
robbing it from our children and our grandchildren is really unforgivable. And the fact that our Republican officials who run as conservatives and limited government officials don't see that or don't care, that is what is truly insulting. And they should not be forgiven for this, in my view, because it is, it's not just here, by the way. It's the entire country. Right. You see it everywhere. Right. It's a total disgrace. How do you feel about the gadfly getting a, uh, a visitor's pass to the commission? <laughs> I think it's great. That's the more pressing question. <laughs> <laughs> Greatest thing I've ever heard. Thanks for the phone call. Appreciate your time this morning. I'll talk to you guys later. All right. See you. Yeah, yeah, so it is kind of fascinating that to get the $10 million short form, you basically have to say, we had an economic downturn, and the government's basically saying, you're going to say that we're not going to question you about it. Like, wink, wink. Like, we know, like, if you do the short form, you're just basically saying, you're going to basically technically tell us that you suffered an economic downturn because of COVID, and then we're just going to give you this this amount of money. Um but we're not going to make you justify it or go through it and prove it to us because we know there's probably a chance that you didn't <laughs> have a downturn. I just I, I I find this just really a hard pill to swallow. But like I said, the government has created a department or a bureau or an agency that is going to be looking into how people are spending this money, and if they feel that there are some improprieties, obviously they'll be audited. And I wonder though, you know. It would take, depending on how many different outlets have received money based on COVID, the ARPA funding, it would seem like it could take possibly a lifetime to audit everybody and even audit those people that might be, let's say, let's say you've got three groups of people. You've got the people who use the money properly for what it's supposed to be used for. You've got some gray area, some questionable people, and then you've got some people who completely and totally just no disregard, hey, we've got money, let's do what the heck we want to do with it. And so I would imagine you, you kind of have to look at the questionable category as well as the people who just did whatever the heck they wanted with it. How long could that take? And then what do you do? Do you tell them that they have to pay it back? Well, yeah, I actually asked that question that, of the BKD people. Um, and so basically what happens is if you get audited and they find that the, what you used it for was inappropriate, you actually have to pay back the money. And you'd have to, so you have to give them back the money that, that you used. And then there's also, I think they mentioned also there's a chance that in further uh, payouts where they do these programs, they'll actually audit. You'll be on like maybe a bad boy list or something. Then you right. get audited more strictly uh, the next time. So, and, and another gentleman asked us that along those same lines, which you're asking, like, he wanted to know, like, how long are we going to be on the hook for these audits? Because it's going to take forever right. for them to finish. And I think the answer was that it's, they said it's something like seven years they can audit you for uh, when wow. you come back and, and do it. So it is interesting. Like I said, you have to be, we, we did not suffer an economic downturn. Uh, we, we, our businesses were booming. Uh, the one question I have really is that was during a lot of COVID lockdowns. It's going to be interesting to see once things open up more. And a lot of the reasons that people came to the lake were because we were open when other places were closed. So if we're now in this coming tourism season, we're actually competing with other tourist, tourism locations that are now open and, and eager to get back into business, we might not see the same influx of visitors that we saw. Absolutely. So, I mean, and you know that like Arizona, uh, some of these other areas, Texas, they're going to be advertising the heck out of uh, the fact that they're open and people should come. and Just to the south and southwest, uh, Arkansas and Oklahoma, I've seen plenty of ads for both of those states, you know, 
If you'd like to find something different or unique or blah, 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 come to Arkansas. Oh, yeah, you'll find something different and unique in Arkansas. <laughs> uh, well, my son went down to Arkansas several years ago, and they went camping down there. And he said, I could swear, Dad, that I heard the dueling banjos in the background That's someplace. Right. Yeah. Ding, 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 ding. yeah. <laughs> and nothing against folks from Arkansas. It's just we're just kind of poking a little fun at it. But the, the point being is that you're absolutely right. All of these states are utilizing uh, this money to advertise the fact that they're open. Hey, come on to Arkansas. Come on to Oklahoma. And, uh, you know, are we doing the same thing to kind of keep ourselves competitive with these other states? Are our state division of tourism, what are they doing to make sure that people are coming to Missouri? And as you said, more and more people are going to have more and more options. So what kind of a return will we see this summer, next summer? Have we plateaued? Is it uh, going to start maybe going down a little bit? Uh, I know there's still p- plenty of people looking for real estate here. There are still plenty of people waiting on boats and docks and, and uh, you know, the things that they want to, the, the, the toys and the fun stuff they want to have here at the Lake of the Ozarks. So where does that put us, you know, between a rock and a hard place? And if there are people out there that can offer it quicker, what does that mean? Yeah, I, I think there there's definitely some people who had never been to the lake before and maybe came down here because we were open, and then they found all the great stuff that's down here. And oh, so, sure. So we might have repeat visitors from oh, us. absolutely. We got a lot more exposure maybe to people who had never been to Lake of the Ozarks, so that's good. But, yeah, the question is if there's other tourist attractions that are closer to them and are open now, uh, maybe they'd be more likely to go to those. Like, did they go to Hawaii for vacation instead? Or, you know, before Hawaii was locked right, down. Right, So you had all these other like other areas that were very difficult to get to or enjoy yourself at. Now we're suddenly competing again. I want to send a special shout-out to everybody in Hollywood and encourage them to make movies and TV shows about Missouri. And, and then right. people will come here and spend their money because they want to see if what Ozark looks like on TV is what Ozark really looks like when they visit. And, you know, reaping the benefits. We I, I think, and, 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 hey, if that's your thing, that's great. I think we should take full advantage of it. Yeah, when that show first came out, I was concerned when I heard it was coming out because I was like, oh, great, here, I was planning on moving out here, and now it's going to ruin it because everyone's going to suddenly know. What, I thought it was a pretty well-kept secret. So, But then I saw the show, and I'm like, okay, that's not going to encourage anyone to come here. I do have people that have asked me. You know, like you go you go to a stand-in line at the C-store to pay for you know your soda or whatever, and you, I always kind of look around when I'm there. You know, if you see a... Um, a truck pulling a, a bass boat. And if I know who that person is, I always ask them where they're from. And, you know, a lot of times, it, you know, we're from someplace close by and we're here to participate in a tournament. And then you see, like, a, a license plate or something from out of state. And if you happen across those people, you, you always ask them. And, and on occasion, somebody will say, well, yeah, we saw the show Ozark and we were just kind of, we were, you know, we're going to Florida and we're coming through Missouri. We just wanted to stop and see if all of that's true. Yeah, I mean, really, it's filmed in Georgia, so it gives you a great idea of what Georgia looks like. <laughs> so, you know, and I was watching that show and I thought it was funny because there was one moment where they're like, she's like, let's just get away. Let's get on a boat and take the Missouri River up as far as it can take us. I'm like, that's not the, how the Lake of the Ozarks works. Like, you cannot, <laughs> you can't get on the Missouri River from the lake. Well, you can. I mean, you have to go. You have to start at the Osage to the. Well, they do the Dam to Dam run every year, or not the Dam to uh, Dam run. They do the Three Rivers run, Osage, Missouri, Mississippi. Right. And uh, yeah, that's uh, that's kind of interesting. The dam's going to be a problem to that plan, though. I think it's going to be difficult to get over the dam. That would be the challenge. You get a really good. You get a fast start. That's right. <laughs>
Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, it's interesting. I haven't been too worried about the show though. I think it's been, I think it's maybe discouraged more. And the whole premise of the show is we're going to sneak drugs across the lake. We're going to use the lake to transport drugs. Like what from, uh, Miller County to, to Camden County. It's not exactly a, a <laughs> that's not, you might as well, you're better off just driving on the interstate. Yeah, you'll do a better job of getting that stuff around town. So, Ike Skelton's here, oh, wow. and I'm wondering, wondering what's up. Uh, security issue. You guys got to vacate the building. Yeah, uh, we got some things to take care of here. Okay, <laughs> we'll be done in about 15 minutes. <laughs> 15, 16 minutes. I wanted to give Dave as much time as he needed this morning. As you can tell, we did forego that bottom of the hour information break. So. Uh, aside from the ARPA money and all the discussions that we're having about that this morning, what else uh, is, uh, or, or what else went on? Was there any other other things that we need to touch on there? Yeah, let me see. I saw the interesting picture that you put with that. Uh, was it the April fifth meeting where the possums were hanging? Oh yeah, any picture with possums doubles the readership of any article. I've learned that. <laughs> so you just do that, and yeah, it's just it and, never and, fails. And and maybe I'm a little slow, but uh, what's the connection there? People waiting to, is that like what, what it looks like waiting to get in to the courthouse uh, when you have to go through the metal detector? Well, in, initially the possum thing was generally that the, uh, it was I was calling it possum politics, where they would bring something up at a meeting, table it, and then play dead and we'd never hear about it again. You know, like, that was the whole thing where we had like Got 60 it. items that were on the, had a bit through the agenda and had never been brought back before the commission. Right on. I got you. And then Commissioner Gohagen basically put a list together and said, hey, these things need to come back on the agenda. Things like premium pay for the employees, uh, those are those are hot-button issues for Camden County employees. So, and that was, that was actually something that was talked quite a bit about at this meeting with BKD. They were trying to figure out with BKD how they can do premium pay because they want to basically, basically do a $2,000 uh, premium pay payment to each employee. The challenge of it is, ARPA does not allow you to use ARPA money for like benefits, like pension and uh, I think maybe medical, you know, all their, so, so about 35% of the cost for an employee is all their benefit packages. So if you gave them $2,000 and all the, the money came out of that, well, then they would only really get like 1300 or whatever, 1400 So the, what the county's trying to plan to do is do the 2000 straight payment with the ARPA money because mm. it's not a bonus. Do not say this is a bonus. It is called premium pay, but it's a bonus. So it's $2,000, and then what they'll do is they'll pay the 35% in benefits out of general revenue from the county. So so the premium pay is actually going to end up costing the county 35% of those. You figure we have 300 employees, $2,000. That's, what, 600000 bucks, and then you take... Uh, hopefully, Ike's pulling out his calculator. So we is this earmarked 35%. money? Is, is this money that was earmarked too for this? Oh, I don't know if this was even earmarked because they have to figure out the number. They're still trying to figure out what the actual number is. They were, and then the BKD people were very nice. I went up to her afterwards and I thanked her for coming, and uh, she said, "Oh yeah, I noticed you back there." She goes, "You were articulate," and I'm like, "Wow, like I need to upgrade my look or something because she seemed really surprised." That, she thought we'd Start be back wearing there. a suit and tie or something. She thought we'd be back there like, let me tell you something, Jedge. <laughs> <laughs> You'd have on your overalls and your cord yeah. cop pipe, huh? Yeah. So she, it was, I tried to take it as a compliment, <laughs> but she was like. I think that's the way she meant it. Yeah. She said it a couple times. I was like, okay, now you're starting to hurt my feelings. Like, <laughs> You know, I would liken what you're saying there to uh, a husband trying to compliment his wife. That's right. 
we, we, we try to say what we think they want to hear, but then we, in, in a roundabout way, end up insulting them and might as well just, you know, when when you see certain things, there's, there's certain things like, does this dress make me look fat? I think that husbands should be allowed, much like an NFL referee, to carry a flag. And when they ask that question, you throw the flag, turn around, and walk in the other direction. Yeah, I think that's... Yeah, I, I, that's, I mean, the, the answer obviously is always no, it does not. No, absolutely but not. But no, no, I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> saying yes, saying no, saying anything, it could be misinterpreted depending on the time of day, the mood, the weather, uh, whether or not, uh, I, I don't want to get into it, but I'm, I'm just saying. I think you might already be in trouble now. Throw the flag, turn around, walk away, it's done. <laughs> yeah, so another thing that came up was they were doing road and bridge bids, so right. they did the road and bridge bids. Uh, it, it's, it was for trucking and asphalt, and basically it was they just approved all the bids. So there were like a bunch of bids, and they approved them. But I have been to the Horseshoe Bend Road District, which is, if you haven't been to the Horseshoe Bend Road District meetings, it's one of the best meetings you could go to because the people there are just great people. It's very fun, and at the end they're like, Hey Dave, do you have anything you'd like to say? Like it's like it's totally different from what I'm used to, and and also to mention there was no public comment at this meeting, so they're being very inconsistent about when they have public comment and when they don't. Now, when BKD was presenting, we were allowed we were allowed to ask questions of them, but actually on the other things like the road and bridge bids or or the March tax abatements, like nobody could talk about that. So I'm not sure they should just at least mention it. Like sounds case. to me like they need to get that part of this thing worked out and smoothed out in a hurry. Yeah. Just so, again, so they can just be consistent about it. I mean, there's a, there's a agenda and it's on the agenda. So it's kind of like you should, and the agenda looks honestly like it was printed up in like 1980. I mean, they can, they should maybe take a look at just retyping the way the agenda is formatted. Cause some of the things on there, I'm not even sure what they mean. I mean, there's just weird, some of the I've never seen any of the things, maybe like three or four of them. I get old business, I get new business, but some of the things I'm not sure what they represent at all on that sheet. Okay. So, so for the asphalt bids, the interesting thing about the asphalt bids is, and this is for a lot of these material bits, and I was saying this is what I learned from Horseshoe Bend because they were nice. Kevin was over there, and he kind of explained it to us. A lot of these uh, things that you they bid on are indexed. So just because you get the accept the bid now they're not going to sign off on giving you asphalt at that same cost for the entire year or a lot of times with fuel or a lot of these materials because the market can go up and down and they're not willing to gamble. Like suppliers aren't going to gamble like that for a year-long contract. So you can think what you got is a great bid, but if it's indexed when you actually go to order the asphalt, you might get a completely different price for the thing. So I think that's deceptive if someone thinks, oh, we got a good deal on asphalt. Well, maybe, but you don't know necessarily what the price is going to be. And I mention it because this is one of those deals where they sign up for a bunch of contracts because they, they want to have deals with different vendors because when it comes time to buy, they can then shop between the vendors and decide which one is the one they want to buy from, which kind of defeats the purpose of having a bid at all because now you're, you're basically just shopping. I mean, basically you accepted five bids, across the board and now you could basically choose freely among them which isn't doesn't seem to be consistent with having a sealed bidding process but again i'm not an expert on this stuff but it seemed to me kind of an odd way to do government purchasing i'll leave that one alone i i had something to say there and i thought probably better to just pass on that uh that thought and then the only other thing that came out of that meeting was, I guess, Horseshoe Bend is uh, sealing off a water well and capping it, and they, they basically just had to get the commission to sign off on it and say that was okay. I want to go back to something you talked about early on, and that was uh, road vacations. Yes. 
Now, if somebody wants to take their road off the list, they have to get all the signatures of the people around them. What if somebody would like to add their road to the list? Is there a process that they have to go through? I would imagine signatures of everybody involved. And then how does that work? I don't know if it works like that because the problem is the county's always happy to stop maintaining a road. Mm -hmm. I don't think the county's very eager to start maintaining a road. Okay. Like our our county, County County, I think is maybe number four or five in the county for the most mileage of roads. Right. And if you take out the cities, like you know the the urban counties where we're maybe even two or three so we, that's why we get a larger percentage of that cart money because it's based on county road mileage i was surprised i didn't realize camden county was so high on the road list but yeah there's just tons of roads yeah. a lot of it's probably due to the lake right because you've got all these you got to go around and around and around and around yeah you so can't I mean, go from point a to point b in a straight line so yeah it's a lot so that, that's one of the issues with that. So, yeah, they're not looking to gain any county roads, I think. That's not... I was just curious. No, I mean, it's a good question, but, yeah, they, they're they more than happy to stop maintaining a road <laughs> and take it off the list. But, but yeah, so that's that's kind of how that works. And it comes up, too, because people don't know why there's a Monday meeting. I mean, that's always... If you see a meeting on Monday for the commission, it's usually going to be those road vacations. And, like I said, usually not controversial, but I've seen some where people did show up and said, no, no, you can't vacate that road because that's how we get to our property. And so the owner of the road might be like, well, I don't think so. I think you guys can get around this other way. And they're like, no, we can't. And so then usually the commission's like, okay, we're not going to approve it then, so we, don't, we won't let you vacate the road. Well, I think that would be, you know, that'd be hard to do for them to just make a decision and say, guess what, we're not going to take care of this road anymore based on what we think. Uh, but then, of course, you don't live down that road or around that area, so you don't necessarily know. I mean, you might have a couple of different ways in. One of them might contain a low water crossing. What do you do then? Yeah, and the other issues, too, is once it gets vacated, he can just put a fence right across that road. So then you're done. They can gate the road. And then you're like, how do you get in and out? I mean, they basically say it's my a property. A toll. Now. You have a toll. It's the It's uh, the Camden County Lake of the Ozarks uh, do-it-your-own toll booth. Yeah, so, that, so that's generally the issue. And the reason why people a lot of times want to vacate it, too, is while it's technically a county road, they're, they're having to put, do all this maintenance on the road. You know, they might have water problems because the road's there. Some people don't want the road on their property anymore. And so they're like, you know, I don't want to have to, like, I'm having to maintain it myself because the county's not coming out often enough because the county has a lot of roads it has to maintain. You, you know, a couple of times I've gone out with Bill Mulder to do uh, our On the Trail feature on Lake TV, and we're driving... When we went out to Tunnel Dam, uh, I'm like, you know, whose road is this? And Bill said, well, this is County Road. And I'm looking at this County Road, and I'm thinking, these poor people that have to endure this thing just to get, you know, back and forth to wherever they go, if it's work, if it's a grocery store, whatever. I mean, there's some nice, you know. And, you know, hats off to Road and Bridge. Those folks, you know, they do the job as fast as they can do it. I mean, we've seen some graders out doing some things back. Um there's a, a little private park over uh, across from where Hahataka is located on the other side of D Road. And so we went back. I'd never been back there, and we went back there. And, you know, Bill, he used to patrol these roads in a lot of instances. And I'm thinking to myself, boy, what a gut buster. What a kidney punch it, it, it must be to have to drive some of these roads for folks, you know. But it's a county road. And whether or not, you know, they, like I said, they have to maintain it like anything else, and they uh, they get to it as fast as they can get to it. Right. Yeah, and, you know, speaking of road and bridge, uh, one of the things I mentioned, too, when I wrote about it was we're very fortunate, that, and it's it, it goes to the, t- the subject of premium pay. Mm-hmm. I think we're very fortunate that we have excellent county employees 
who work at, at the courthouse. I think my experience with most county employees for Camden County has been great service. Right. And, and considering that they, they're pretty badly paid and they still don't care and they do a good I mean, they probably care, but I'm saying they still, in spite of that, do the best they can. Right. Like, I've had, I've had, I've never had a bad experience at the courthouse with a county employee. I've always had really great service. And one of the things I like about Camden County, I chose to live here. I'm very proud to be, to live in Camden County. And so I, I really appreciate all the stuff they do. Well, you can relate being in law enforcement, you know, based on where you worked. And I don't know what kind of pay you received and, and if it was considered good pay, moderate pay, bad pay. It was good pay. It's yeah. California. It's pretty and then, good you know, you figure you've got uh, deputies at work out here that have to cover a lot more ground. Oh, yeah. And uh, they do risk the, uh, you know, uh, the possibility of being shot at or harmed or, you know, people. You answer a call out here, especially in the middle of nowhere, without any backup. And what in the world are you getting yourself into? So you can appreciate that. You can appreciate the work the folks do in the courthouse. You can appreciate the folks uh, out there with road and bridge and, and uh, you know, dealing with sewer and all that water and sewer. And, 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 and who knows what else? There are probably things that we're leaving out here this morning. But, yeah, they're dedicated folks. They do the job because, you know, that's what they want to do. And uh, like anything else, there's good folks. There's folks that maybe... Uh, <laughs> I mean, I work. I, I, we'll not get into that. I, I worked in county government out in California, and I can tell you there right. are a lot of terrible county employees in California, like mm. really bad. So, don't care, can't be fired, don't do their jobs, just do not want to work at all. You know, so like I'd have county employees who'd work with me, like not law enforcement, but secretaries or whatever, and I'd be, it'd be one. They, one of them would be like, "I'm bored. I don't have anything to do." I'd say, "Oh, uh, I got all this stuff I can give you." She's like, "No, I'm good." I'm like, <laughs> like great, great work attitude. And like I said, unfireable. So like they're just there forever and they just get passed around. They're the worst. But yeah, so the, the, the one good thing about California you can say is their law enforcement and firefighters are very well paid. Um, but the problem is it's also really expensive to live there. So you might be making as a police officer, a police officer in Los Angeles makes probably over $100,000 a year. But your house payments, your taxes, you're paying $10,000 in property yeah, taxes. Yeah, your cost of living is out the door yeah. Yeah, so with all that it's, stuff. It's a wash, pretty much. Well, I guess we will uh, get prepared for the uh, next meeting, which is when. Uh, anything on the uh, school, the Osage uh, school board meeting? Anything you want to plug in there real quick? No, I think we already, I think we talked about that for the most part. I think you talked part. about it last time. Yeah. Okay. All so, right. yeah, that, but that election went down. There was some good election stuff, too. I was happy to see some of the results. Um, I like I, Harmison getting becoming mayor of Osage Beach. I right. thought that was good. I also thought in Lake Ozark the Alderman uh, elections went well, so I was happy with those results. So overall, and Osage, one of the gals uh, from the parents group, parents group got on the the school board, so that was good. Wasn't it Neil? Neil, Stacy Neil, Neil Stacey got on. Neil. She's going to be really good there. And I think there was all this worry and, f- you know, towards the end there were a lot of lies flying around about stuff that she was going to do. She was going to do this or she was going to do that. And uh, none of that was true. But, you know, whatever. They got everybody all worked up and scared. Great, yeah. I think now they're going to find out. Yeah, and it's one person on the board. It's not going to change the world. But, it, you know, I think she's going to do a great job. I actually think when she gets in there, and I think Kelly would have done a great job too, when she gets in there, they're going to be very impressed with what she's bringing to the table. And I think they're going to realize, oh, man, maybe this wasn't such a bad idea. Well, after listening to uh, the people during uh, the forums, um, she was one of the people that really impressed me. I, I know I felt like, uh, you know, she said something right off, and that was that they sought out the school of the Osage School District for their kids. Exactly. And they didn't just move here to, to move here and, and put their kids in a school to put their kids in a school. They were looking around. School of the Osage is uh, what impressed them, and that's where their 
child or children go? I don't know how many kids. She have yeah, one or two? They've got two. Very good. Well, Dave Maupin, always a pleasure, sir. Thank you for taking some time to join us here this morning. And we will get you back in here coming up next Friday. Looking forward to it, as a matter of fact. Yeah, we'll get to hear about if they take away my visitor's pass. <laughs> oh, man. I'm guaranteed. I guarantee they're going to revoke it. <laughs> <laughs> the machine's broken. It just broke. Sorry. Is it? Uh, will they table that and then uh, talk about it and it, then table it, it and then discuss it? it Maybe it, discuss it later? They'll, they'll possum it for sure. Very good. All right, folks, uh, that's going to do it for the Daily Show today. 35 degrees, 45 the high. Don't forget the uh, freeze warning tonight, midnight to 8 a.m. tomorrow morning. In the meantime, have a great weekend. Maybe we'll see you out there at the Big Food Truck Festival. 